starting the episode here we go continuing on with the black mirror creativity lessons we just finished black mirror season six episode five we are watching them out of order this is the last episode in the season so previously i did episode four i haven't watched one two or three yet episode five is the one about this demon i'll do a quick recap of the episode and then go through some of the creativity lessons. So it starts out in this shoe, shoe shop where this woman has this coworker. The coworker is very mean, makes fun of the food that she's eating, says, hey, you're stinking up the break room. Can you not do that? He's just kind of a jerk to her. Then we see this person smash her coat into the glass. The glass shards are in that person's face. And of course, it's just a fantasy. She's just imagining killing her co-worker it continues on i think it's the next day same thing happens she, she comes to work has her lunch that she packed i think she says it's biryani her manager says hey there's been people complaining about you with the food that you're eating it's you know making the break room smell it might also be getting absorbed into the leather of the shoes can you not do that and she says yeah sure fine in the future i'll have sandwiches but i did bring this today so i need to eat this today he says oh can you go into the basement there's a basement room where you can eat this in peace so she goes there of course it's like a super creepy looking basement and then she finds this talisman it's a domino piece but it doesn't have dots on it it has a weird looking symbol she takes that also has cut her finger on uh, the drawer that it was in takes that home of course there's blood on this talisman now it, it starts to speak there's a demon in there then it takes the form of the rock star that she was very attracted to because at first it just looks like the devil with the horns and everything and then he says well I was like, excuse my appearance and then that's when he transforms into this like, rock star and now it's following her around she's the only one that can see it and he's getting initiated trying to gain entry into I don't know the demon's club he has to convince her to murder three people over three days has to be separate days eventually there are some rules to this but it, it can't be animals that's the first one that he tells her so she's walking along she has to do this first murder before midnight walking around thinking about this holding a big I think it's a brick or a stone anyway then this guy walking his dog comes across her he Starts asking if she needs any help or anything because she's walking around alone. Then the demon uses his demon vision basically to see into the future, to look at the future of these people, what they're doing, to convince her that it's okay to kill them because they're actually bad people. So yeah, he's like convincing her to murder people, but at least he's convincing her to murder bad people. There is a movie about this. I forget what it's called. It's a pretty similar thing where the twist at the end is that you find out that all these people were really bad people that this guy is murdering. It's a serial killer. Anyway, back to this episode. The demon points out that this guy is molesting his daughter. She bashes his head in with the rock. He falls into the river. He's dead. So she's accomplished it. Her first murder, she goes home, throws up, because you know, murder is not great. She doesn't feel great about doing it. Then the next day, I have to get to murder number two. She's trying to pick a weapon. She is starting to think, oh, let me use a knife. But then the demon says, you're not really a knife person. Take this hammer. So she takes a hammer for it. 
It seems like she's a basher. That's what you said. You're a basher. So she takes that, goes to a bar, maybe having some drinks will help ease the murdering. While she's there, I think it's like she gets two triple scotches. And then she runs into one of her customers and it's this customer. So earlier in the episode, yeah, it's a, she helped this customer out. He walked away from after murdering his wife. So I think he got like manslaughter or something. He killed his wife. It sounds like he got away with it. She sees him there. Then she follows him home, tricks him into thinking that they're going to make love. Once she reveals the hammer, he says, oh, you're going to kill me with that. Okay. I knew this was coming. I've accepted it. And he sits down kind of waiting to just take the hit. Then he starts trying to convince her that what he did wasn't bad. Blah, blah, blah. This then leads her to bash his head in. Unfortunately, as she's trying to escape, she learns that his brother also lives in the same house. She's an intruder, so his brother is trying to defend himself and also stop her. Then she ends up stabbing him, so she kills him as well, and she's saying sorry. And finally, when she's back home, she's talking to the demon, and the demon can, of course, tell her if people were bad people. He looks into the brother's future and his past, and it turns out, no, he's not a bad person. He's just a normal dude. So now she's just murdered someone who wasn't bad, just murdered an old person, so she can't justify it at all. Then she also finds out a new rule that murdering murderers doesn't count either, so she can murder bad people, but not people who are already murderers because they're already playing for the same team in hell. That's kind of the, the reasoning. So for day three, she has to murder someone else, and she's considering murdering her co-worker because she, at first she is called out. So she tells the demon, oh, I've never really thought of murdering people in my life. I'm pretty you know, easygoing, innocent. And he says, no, I, I think you've pictured murdering some people. How about we just actually carry that out? So she's going to murder her co-worker, but then this politician comes in who she doesn't like, and he's going to get some new shoes. He's going to speak at some kind of rally later that night. Then she asks the demon to look into his future. She knows it's going to be bad if he becomes elected. She's right. So looking into the future, if he's elected, it basically shows kind of a ver- version of kind of a version of the Nazis is what it seems like. That would not be a good outcome. So she really wants to murder him. The demon doesn't want her to because it's too difficult. He might have security and all that. It's just going to be hard to do it. But she insists because it will be a better outcome for the world. Oh, yeah. And the reason that if she doesn't do all of these, then the world ends. So that's what's at stake here. So she needs to murder this person or the world will end later. If she fails, then the world will end now. So she follows the politician in her car, is able to push him off the road. But she's also being followed by a detective who's coming to investigate that first murder of the guy that fell into the river. He's suspicious, so he's been following her. Anyway, she pushes the politician off the road and then is going to finish him off with a hammer. Is starting to, but of course the cop arrives, stops her, convinces her to stop, and she doesn't fulfill this murder. With a few minutes left, she's being interrogated about it. They start to see she's kind of crazy. The domino is now a normal domino, so she can't even say it. Even her talisman story is not adding up. It looks like she's talking to herself or someone else in the room when she's alone. Just looks nuts. Midnight strikes. 
she has not fulfilled this third murder, then the missiles start going up. And what was predicted came true. It's nuclear war. The world is pretty much going to end. The demon is going to be put into limbo, is what it sounds like. It sounds awful. Like He's not going to get into the demon's club and instead is going to just live in a void for forever. She decides to join him because maybe that will be somewhat better. At least they'll be there together, and it's kind of like a love story. In a way, at the end, they're holding hands. Man, that, that's the end of the episode. One note on this, I guess there's this... I did very brief research. This episode has nothing to do with tech and Black Mirror previously for the most part had nothing supernatural it was all enabled by technology i guess this is supposed to be somewhat related to red mirror which is going to just be mostly horror based not necessarily around technology pretty interesting i probably won't watch that because i don't if, if these things get too scary with the horror i'm not as interested if there's no technology anyway that's the recap so here we go some creativity lessons here the first one is you like what you like and it's okay to share your guilty pleasures you'll find other people share those guilty pleasures as well this is where the demon is picking an appearance that is attractive to her in this case it's that rock star so she's kind of embarrassed that's <laughs> that it's revealed that this is who she's super attracted to but she likes what she likes and this is something in creativity as well that it can be good to share your guilty pleasures this is something i picked up from austin cleon Especially like building an audience online when you're not you're not a major corporate brand or anything like that. You're a single person connect, trying to connect with your audience. What can make you seem more real, seem more authentic is sharing those guilty pleasures. And with the internet, you'll find that those niche interests really aren't all that niche uh, for the most part. Other people love like trashy TV. There's really anything that ends up being uh, like a super guilty pleasure where you'll be alone in it. There's a lot of people with a lot of varied interests. And the more you can connect with people on those things, the tighter the connection is. It's almost like, I guess, the more niche it is, if there is a connection, the thicker the connection is. If you're traveling through Europe, you live in, in New York and you're traveling from Europe, and then you meet someone else that is from America, that's one thing, that's a nice bond. You can communicate with each other, speak the same language. But... If you meet someone from New York, that's another connection where it's, oh, okay, then you have sort of tighter connection. But then if you find out that they're from your hometown, that's like a very tight connection. And so instant connection. It's because it's like the inverse of how small the amount of people in that interest are. And then that builds up like the tighter connection. Okay, so moving on to the next creativity lesson here. Use a list. Work off of the list if you are having trouble with productivity. One great step could be writing a list. The next steps that you need to do, there are always some subtasks for any big task. Practice breaking those big tasks, tasks down. And of course, the getting things done idea of figuring out the next action. How I was relating this to the Black Mirror episode is that she has this list of things she needs to do. One thing a day. Murder one person a day. This reminds me also of the technique of MIT, most important thing or the daily highlight is also how I've heard it. It's not that you have a list of things to do each day, but it's to have one thing that you want to accomplish. And it being one thing, it has to be sized right. If it's just one thing, you know that it's, it, it might have some subtasks within it, but it being one thing means that this is a fairly big thing that will move the needle for you. 
if you're in a rut, that one thing can be a small thing just to get some momentum. But yeah, having that clear list, having clear next actions. This does remind me also of a time in one of my first job interviews. This was when I was trying to interview for my first internship. I just regurgitated getting things done, talking about, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really skilled at breaking tasks into smaller tasks and the nuance of the next action that it has to be something, it has to be very clear that it's a verb that I can do, things like that. Anyway, I did get that job, so <laughs> maybe that worked. I don't know, but I do always cringe a little bit when I was th- when I think back to that. <laughs> Similar examples, Game of Thrones, Arya repeating her list of people that she needs to murder. Very clear. All right, the next creativity lesson, you don't know what people are going through. So this is probably about comparing yourself to other people online. The, the examples in the episode are pretty awful, that we find out just how awful these people are at the worst of human behavior. But the lesson is that we don't know. We're not those. We're not this demon that is able to see underneath the surface of people. When we look on Instagram, when we look on Twitter, if you follow all this self-development content or online creators, you see a lot of success stories. It can look like overnight success. In that moment, one thing you don't see is the present, that maybe there's other things that they're dealing with. Maybe not. You don't want to always just assume, oh, they must have just there's this terrible home life or something but it is also good to remember they're sharing their highlights but they do have just regular days then in the lead up to that success on the surface it can look like an overnight success but there was probably a bunch of work that went into it there's different versions of this there's the picasso one where he draws a drawing on a napkin it takes a minute and then he's he's going to charge twenty five thousand or something and they say, oh, it only took you a minute. Like he says, no, it's taken me a lifetime to be able to draw this in a minute. The simpler version is the plumber that seems to be overcharging because all he did was slam his wrench against the pipe. But he has the knowledge to know exactly how to do that. There are probably some examples of actual overnight success. But those are the true outliers. Usually when it looks like someone has overnight success, there's a bunch of work underneath it that you don't see This is the demon seeing into years of work that people are putting in. The good version of the demon. The next creativity lesson is accepting where you are. So with that second murder, like I mentioned, the guy just sits on the bed and he's waiting to just get hit by the hammer. And sometimes things will be difficult. This is, so yeah, in creativity, it can be good to... With experience, you understand that when you start a project, you're going to hit a difficult part. And with that experience, you know that you can push through it and then you'll get through it. That there is an other side to that difficulty and that it can be worth it. What's hard is if you're just starting out and you don't realize that that difficult plateau is expected, you start to overthink it, think you're doing something wrong, decide that you're not cut out for it, and then you quit. Where the reality is everyone goes through that phase and they're able to push through it. Knowing something will be hard will make it easier in a way. Denying that can lead to a life where you're just looking for hacks and shortcuts when you need to be doing some of the foundational work, the practice to get to mastery in whatever your craft is. Okay, the next creativity lesson here, it's that scene where she's trying to pick the the weapon that she's going to use. She's thinking about using the knife, but the demon convinces her instead to use the hammer because she's a basher. How this applies to creativity is, one, figuring out the medium 
that you use. And then in a way, this is where it's applied to like where tools come into play. Picking the tools. I, if you do know how to use a camera, you just are good at taking pictures and that sort of thing, then maybe you want to lean towards a visual medium. That can be a huge hint. If you happen to already use certain tools, if you write every day at work, but don't necessarily write for uh, your creative work, it could still be a skill that you do have and you just need to adjust the focus of that skill in a different direction, then you're able to reuse that skill. That's why communication skills in particular are really because they can apply to pretty much any craft. Then within a discipline, it's a matter of picking tools. Sometimes the tool is more of a process rather than something like a pencil or keyboard. Uh, that, that might be it, like writing longhand or typing. But then process-wise, it's that thing of if you are an outliner or if you just write as you go. It always sounds like a cool thing hearing about fiction authors. I think Stephen King is this way, where they start writing, they have this character, and then they're just kind of living the character's life out. And that's how the story comes to be. They think of the situation to put the character in and then figure out how that character would behave in that situation or put them into some kind of problematic situation and then they figure out how would this character behave to get to a solution for this. Similarly, picking a format. This is something I keep talking about on the show. I've seen a lot of videos about long-form creators trying to do short-form videos and then explaining why they're going to stop doing short-form videos. A lot of it is that they just don't enjoy it enough. The things to succeed are different. The cadence is different as well. The audience engagement is different. Building a community, from what I've heard, is like much harder with short-form videos because long-form videos help you build a better connection with an audience. If they're going to spend 10 to 20 minutes with you watching something that you've made, that's going to create a different connection. And then just the volume, like if you think of YouTube channels that you watch regularly. It's not a ton. Maybe you're watching a few random ones just because of the length of it. Meanwhile, you can swipe through a hundred short form videos before before blinking in the morning is what it feels like. It's just harder to remember because of the, the volume of different creators other people are coming across. In that sense, that's the idea. Pick the tool. Do you want to use a hammer? Do you want to use a knife? Do you want to use a car? to run someone over. Next creativity lesson, resistance shows up at the end and is probably strongest at the end. She has to do that third murder, has trouble, runs the guy off the road, needs to bash his head in, but people are onto her. That's why the detective has caught up to her and she's not able to finish the job. This is what happens. Stephen Pressfield, he has the resistance to this creativity concept of just that force. Uh, In a way, the opposite of the muse, that the muse shows up, helps you, in your creative work, but the resistance is what's always pushing you to stop working or to not start in the first place. It tends to show up at various points in creative work every morning when you need to get started, but at the macro level, it's at its strongest as you're nearing the end. You can see the end, what seems like the end, but usually it's a a mirage in some ways that it's not quite as close as it looks. All the distractions come up. You're almost finished. Maybe you can celebrate a little early, pat yourself on the back. Or maybe you should start doing some of the preliminary work to set yourself up for the next project. All of this distracts from finishing the current project. Resistance is stronger toward the end. I feel this myself. Plenty. I have a lot of difficulty finishing work. That's why I have all these different recordings that are sitting unedited. Hopefully I'll be able to edit this and publish it. We'll see. 
But then I can even feel the resistance because I didn't post the previous episode that I had around Black Mirror. So I'm thinking, oh, let me post that one first before I post this one. But I have to go back and then edit that one. Then I start to think, oh, it's weird that it's coming out of order that I'm doing episode four and five without doing one, two, three. Let me finish those first. And I could just see that self-talk happening. What I need to do is just publish this episode once it's finished. Then the last creativity lesson is Jocko Willing's idea of good. That at the end of the episode, the world has been nuked. This demon is not going to get into the demon's club. But there's some silver lining here. They can go into limbo forever together. This reminded me of Jocko Willink with his very popular phrase, good. Whenever something is going wrong, the first instinct he has is to think good. Because it helps him to start seeing the next steps, what's in his control, what can he do next to make the most out of that situation. There's a lot of learning that can happen when something bad happens. For writers, people creating content, if something bad happens to you, it's potentially a story that you can share with your audience. And I always want to reiterate, and Jocko does this too, that it doesn't mean that you're being delusional, that this bad thing that happened is actually the best thing. You're not saying like you wouldn't rather have had it not happen, but it helps just push you into solutions. Uh, It helps you be solution focused. All right, that sucks, but we can do something I'm alive and I'm in control of the next steps. I'm in control of how I respond to this. Other examples from creative work, if you post something and it just gets crickets, good. Now you have some data. Probably wasn't interesting. Now you don't have to keep writing about that topic. Like pull to an extreme. Maybe you were thinking of writing a book around that topic and this is some evidence that maybe you don't need to spend the next few years pursuing that. Maybe the topic was good and you can just improve your writing improve the storytelling that you're doing in it all right that's the end of this episode black mirror creativity lessons thanks for checking this out